0: so I am trying something new today and I am filming myself recording this podcast now I've tried this one other time and I got so distracted by the camera which is interesting because I film staring at myself in a mirror so you would think it's no different but there's something about seeing the red light on a camera and filming yourself that really kind of just like throws you for a loop but we're attempting this because i am wanting to put out more videos on social media and i'm finding it rather challenging full transparency here finding it a little challenging to just like sit down and film a video like I just don't work like that. I work really well, and, and those who work with me know this, I work really well when I've got that that question coming at me, right? You toss a question at me, I answer it, and I'm then on a roll, right? But, from, or something happens, like I'm passionate about a topic that I see, or I read about, or I hear about, then I can talk about it and and that like will fuel a video but when i don't have any of that kind of like external stimulation happening for me to just like come up with certain topics to post to social media can be really really challenging and really really time consuming so phil actually will say props to phil phil came up with this plan of like well why don't you just film yourself doing your podcast because you seem to have like a really easy time just talking on your podcast and i go yeah i know because i'm just like shooting the show with myself (laughs) but anyway i figured i'd give it a try again and see how it goes so far so good so uh let's just roll into some updates about mexico city i'm getting a lot of messages from you guys saying you you know you love or love watching um the videos and and seeing the photos that i post about my trip i'll tell you what though three weeks has flown by like we leave this area of mexico this coming weekend and we head to another part of mexico which i'm not stupid i'm not disclosing that until after i'm there but We're heading to a different part of Mexico uh, this weekend, and I mean, that's like, we're like halfway through this trip already. It's crazy. We're going to be in that other part of Mexico until mid-April, so, you know, that's a good month, but still, I mean, time really does fly. So some updates. Today is International Women's Day, so happy Women's Day to all of my fellow women. Um, in Mexico City, it is kind of a dangerous day. We've been warned several times to just like stay inside. <laughs> yeah. Happy Women's Day to you, Amy. Uh Yeah, though, stay inside. Um, you could Google it because I don't have enough knowledge about this. I've been told. We had a tour guide over the weekend who took us to the pyramids and uh, she was amazing. Lijia is her name, and uh, it was an incredible experience. Phil used the term bucket list experience. I'm gonna have to agree with him wholeheartedly. Pyramids are insane. Like, to see in person, insane. Like, I just, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was an art major, and my favorite classes were art history so an art museum but also like the like i don't i know these are two different but kind of the same going to to a place where there are pyramids and then learning about what they've discovered and learning that they're still discovering new things at these particular pyramids i'm going to butcher this name but i'm going to attempt it i'm going to attempt it teotihuacan Pyramids, Pyramid of the Sun, Pyramid of the Moon, and a, another one I can't remember. <laughs> uh, amazing to look at, but also as recent as 2017, they have discovered new findings. Incredible. So, yes, su- kind of art history, obviously, art, um, you know, other subject matters, which I'm not even going to try to get into because, again, you know, I'm a little blonde and ditzy sometimes, but I've had I've had art major friends like individuals who majored in art with me who went into, um, you know, archaeology stuff and and just digging in Egypt and sh- cool shit like that. So this was cool They they had like a hole open up after a hard rain back in 2017 a hole opened up in the middle of this entire site of pyramids okay and they discovered a tunnel how cool is that? they discovered a tunnel and so when we were there like you can't climb up the pyramids you can climb some smaller structures you used to be able to climb up them our tour guide explained but now they're all kind of roped off because um, they're still finding shit There was a big tent over this hole and they're digging and the hole goes all the way under this one pyramid it's so cool it's just so cool like this shit is I geek out on the stuff that I talk about on this podcast but you take me to a site like that or like an art museum I get a little wet okay sorry boys I'm taken but I do (laughs) Anyway, so we also went to like this very large market over the weekend, which was an incredible experience, so different, so unique, so overwhelming, like fruits, vegetables, candy, household goods. I found tampons, they don't sell tampons in mexico city sorry t m i for some of you, maybe not for the rest of you but I don't know. We ended up in a back alleyway, knee deep into this like market. And I was like, I spy tampons. I was like, Phil, we need to buy them. And then I only bought one box. They were like super, super big. And I didn't care. Beggars can't be choosers at this point, but we bought one box and there was only like 10 inside. And then I like thought about it 10 minutes after we walked away. And Phil was like, you know we could have bought a few boxes, and I was like, "Shit, damn it! We're gonna have to come back and find this location and buy more because they're like non-existent. Uh, there's there's only like like maxi pads, like panty liner type things, which is just like not my jam, not my cup of tea. So tampon girl all the way, the end of it. And now I am. You now you get to see if I even post this. Me doing hand gestures while I'm talking, oh man, it's a whole nother level of excitement over here, okay, so so we had all that over the weekend. International Women's Day is today, which we are just hanging tight inside due to the chaos that could be happening outside again, Google it, I don't even wanna I recorded this piece like two to three times at this point trying to explain it and I was just like oh my god I sound so ignorant and uneducated I'm not even gonna try so you can just google March 8th Mexico City and look at the pictures and the videos and see what comes up but now I say let's just like roll into the episode yeah so I think what better day to talk about confidence issues than International Women's Day I don't know seem funny to me um, I get asked a lot about confidence because I guess I present myself in a way where I am confident or I sound confident or I appear confident but I have insecurities too and I I was actually part of what inspired this podcast right now was I, I am a I am a fan of Justin Bieber just Give me a moment because that was hard to (laughs) share with you. I was watching a little clip from his recent concert that he posted to Instagram um, like an hour or so ago. And he was saying how, you know, it's easy to look up to people, right? It's easy to look up to celebrities. It's easy to look up to a, a life coach online or a therapist or a doctor, a lawyer, an influencer, whoever. It's easy to look up to these people, but we don't actually know them. Like, you don't know me. You get to know me. You get to know me through listening to what I share with you. But again, like, do you know me personally? Do you spend time with me one-on-one? Do you know me intimately? Not quite. There's a distance between you and myself as a listener to this or a, a follower or community member on in my online spaces. So, you know, you don't know, you don't really know what goes on in my head, you don't know what I struggle with day in and day out, unless I tell it to you, right? And that kind of holds true with anyone in your life, though. You don't really know what's going on mentally and emotionally inside of them. You know what they tell you, you know what you might learn um, from what you see or experience with them, what you witness. But... Nobody really knows what's beneath the surface. And so my point in saying this to you is that something that a lot of us do when we're feeling insecure is we compare. We look on the outside of us. We find somebody that I don't know, we resonate with or we we have similarities to to some degree, whatever those are, and we compare and contrast. And the real question is, why do we do that if we have the knowledge that like, we don't really know what's going on with them? Because we don't really know what's going on with them. We know what they present to us. So if we don't really know, then what are we actually comparing? I'll wait. You can answer. We're comparing what we're perceiving. In other words, let me just break this down for you real quick. We filter people through our own filters. We talk about this all the time on every single episode. So if I look out at somebody else and I start comparing and contrasting based on what I see, am I comparing the truth or am I comparing what I am perceiving in them? I'm comparing what I'm perceiving in them, right? My assumptions about them. In other words, I'm being a lot nicer to them than I am to me, aren't I? Oh my God, Amy, if you think about it that way, there's noise again. I'm sorry, guys, you're going to have to bear with me here. But if you think about it that way, every time you compare yourself to somebody else, you're really just being a lot nicer to somebody else than you are to yourself because you're not really comparing the truth versus the truth. You're comparing what you perceive as the truth to what you perceive as your own truth. But what you perceive or feel is your own truth is not how other people perceive you. For fuck's sake. I listen to the compliments you guys give me. I read them every day. I sometimes am at a loss for words because I'm so overwhelmed with like gratitude that you think so highly of me. And granted, I constantly am working to think more highly of myself. But if I'm going to keep it real with you here, and this is absolutely the God's honest truth. I don't always think that highly of myself. Those of us who are hard on ourselves learn to be hard on ourselves. So let's get that out of the way first and foremost. I didn't wake up out of the womb. I didn't climb out of my mom's vajayjay and suddenly start (laughs) self-deprecating. That wasn't a thing. I didn't do that. I learned this self-talk. I learned how to treat myself this way. And then what happens is after you learn it, you just perpetuate it over time because it becomes a habit. You just default to it. You do it without thinking. You wake up and like, if you were to consciously change this pattern, you'd have to slow down and be very intentional about changing your inner dialogue, which we'll get into at the end of this episode. But my point is, is that this was said to you, shown to you, taught to you. You experienced this, you soaked this up. This, when when you have a self-confidence issue, It didn't come from you. You weren't born into this world doubting yourself. You weren't born into this world wondering if you're good enough. You were led to believe that, led to feel that way. Now, does that mean once more, as always, that your parents were horrible people? No. No. But sometimes the way you perceive the environment you're in, sometimes the things you're overhearing or witnessing or the things that are being directly done to you impact the way you think about yourself and the way you look at yourself in comparison to other people, right? Like if your parents or guardians were the type of individuals who looked at you and compared you to your sibling or looked at you and compared you to the, your best friend or a teammate or the neighbor down the street, or why can't you be more like so-and-so? Those are very obvious impacts that that we can experience. Those are very obvious. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. Those are very obvious ways that can impact our self-confidence, but there are more subtle ways, right? If your mom or your dad or whomever your guardians were, if they never spoke highly of themselves, what do you think you learned to emulate? If they only talked negative about other people around you, maybe they said nice things to you, but they shit talked other people, that gets soaked up like a sponge. And the way you filter that and then implement it into your life is always going to be very unique to you. So needless to say, if you were not born thinking less than yourself, thinking that you could do better, you could be better, you're not good enough, whatever the thought process is, you weren't born that way. And you understand, and it really does not matter who it came from, what the situation was, or whatever, right? I kind of broke it down for you. But really, none of that matters, because we are focused on moving forward, right? In these episodes of this season. So so regardless of where it stems from, the fuck do you do with it when you wake up one day and you realize, wow, like my confidence could be better. I could think much more highly of myself than I already do. It takes work. It takes work. And I'm going to tell you how, what the work is and how much work and, and all of that, but it, it takes work. It takes a conscious choice to want to look at yourself in a better light. It takes a conscious choice for you to look at other people and recognize that there's no comparison. We're all, we're all, this sounds so cliche, but we're all equal. We are. I know, ironic on International Women's Day to say we're all equal. <laughs> in so many ways, so many ways, that's ironic. But my point is, is that we're equal in terms of our self-value. We're equal. We're all good enough. We're all beautiful in different ways. Which, that's particularly one I've worked really hard at over the years. So so let me dig into that one first for you. I used to look at myself in the mirror and think I looked weird. Like, I thought there was some type of beauty to me, but it was unique beauty, it was different beauty, it was not. I didn't feel like I was cookie-cutter looking. I didn't feel like, back then, when I was like, you know, elementary school, middle school years, I didn't feel like I looked like all the other pretty girls. I thought my nose could be smaller. I thought my head could be smaller. I thought a lot of me could be smaller if we're being real. But I didn't look at myself and and see beauty, right? And we could get into conversations about representation and whatever, right? Because when I was a little girl growing up, all the Barbie dolls looked the same. They did. And they did not, they were not anatomically correct either because I checked because I was a major pervert as a child. I was like pantsing Ken and pulling up Barbie's shirt. And I was like, "Um, there's no nipples to these boobs and where's his dick? My point is the way I filtered myself, I looked different. I felt different, right? Because to the rest of you, you might be like, oh, well, you're a white little blonde girl. What kind of representation do you need? Truth, I get that but the way i filtered myself i didn't feel like i fit in and i think that resonates with a lot of people out there a lot of you listening right now you might be like yeah i i probably could look you know to the right or to the left and see a lot of people that look like me but i feel very different and that impacts your confidence and again where does that come from well I, i'll give you a little briefing here right like my mom is a beautiful woman but i didn't ever really hear my mom speak too highly of herself i heard my mom be very critical of herself i heard my mom say you know she could she she could look better she could be better she could be skinnier i heard my grandma do the same thing when my grandma lost a ton of weight as she got older and if you said anything about it she would still call herself fat and these days I hear my mom saying similar things and I'm kind of like mom no you like you're tiny what are you talking about And so when that is the influence you have you start to adopt that inner narrative as your own If I could tell you how many times a day I have to pause myself to not say certain things about me that I instinctually want to say because they're just kind of ingrained inside of me I don't have a number for it because it's far too many to count and sometimes I don't know that I'm speaking like not too highly of myself unless somebody else points it out to me or after it's left my lips so that's a little personal story for you but the moral of of this story is that we all have our own unique filters and they all come from our own unique experiences and how we filtered those experiences. So you could have insecurities, you could have confidence issues even if you grew up with parents who constantly affirmed to you that you're beautiful and you're worthy and you're smart and you're gifted and you're loved by so many like you could still have confidence issues because no not everything falls single handedly on the parents we have our own filter system and so it's not a matter, and and I think this is an important point to make here on this episode and, and maybe be reminded of moving forward. This isn't about, oh my God, if I become a parent, I need to be perfect so I don't harm my children because I can't tell you how many times I listen to parents say that to me. Like, how do I make sure my kids aren't harmed? And I said, your kids are kids are going to have their insecurities. They're going to mess up. They're going to have their mishaps regardless of what you do. But what you can do is be a consistent support system for them. Consistent source of love for them. like, Just whatever it is, be consistent. And for fuck's sake, if you're going to be consistently toxic, then maybe sit down and check yourself a little bit. The best thing you can do for your child as a parent is be the happiest version of yourself, the healthiest version of yourself, not the most perfect version of yourself. Matter of fact, that's going to be detrimental to your child. If anything, if you're a parent or you want to be a parent, the best thing you can do is be vulnerable. Manage your emotions, but be vulnerable in your expression with your child. Let them know you're flawed. Let them know when you don't know something. Don't pretend you know everything. Don't pretend you have it all together. If if that's the message you're sending, it's clear. But when you send a message like I received growing up of like, I never heard my mom speak highly of herself, but if when I got to the age where I had a mouth on me, cause we all know, we all know she's got a mouth on her. When I got to the age where I started using that mouth, I would say to her, you know, mom, You don't, you don't speak too kindly about yourself. Are you, do do you not feel confident? I love myself. What are you talking about is often the response I got. And I was like, uh, doth protest too much. Okay. Because in truth, if that's, if that's reality, if, if you love yourself, that would translate in the way you speak that would translate in the way you act. You wouldn't have to convince anybody of it, it would just come out of you. So let's go back to what I was saying at the beginning, right? A lot of you will say to me, whether it's in conversation with me directly, or it's through the messages I receive from you, you will often say, you're so confident, how do you do it? Now I've worked extremely hard on my confidence over the years, so I'm not gonna say I lack confidence, Do I struggle with my confidence to some degree? Yes, I do. Yes. But I would say if we were to put a percentage on it, probably 80% of the time I feel really great about myself. I feel really good in most areas of my life. And then there's that very small percentage left where I know I have some improvements to make that I'm really struggling with, okay? Because I know there's always improvements to make, but the ones that I'm really struggling with and I can feel and I can kind of feel it coming out of me to some degree, that is what I have to recognize and then that is what I then focus my attention on and work towards. But if the per- if the percentage of me that feels really great because I have put in a ton of work to change my own narrative, I mean, the first place I started, quite frankly, was not how I was talking about myself. It was how I was talking about other people. And I'll just keep it real with you because I know some people are like, oh yeah, start inward. And I would always agree with that for sure. But I have a lot more improvements to do when I speak to myself. And the most obvious thing that I caught myself doing when I was feeling the most insecure was I wasn't speaking highly of other people in my life. And that was one big, drastic shift I made, is instead of looking for flaws or faults in other people, I reframed how I was looking at them and how I was speaking about them. Whether, because it wasn't always to their face, it was often in my own head, or maybe to like certain close individuals in my life, like my mom or my sister, or some of my close friends, I might... Not shit talk people, but I'd be like, oh yeah, well, she seems to be insecure here. Like I'd point out a flaw that I definitely had myself. So that's one little tip I can give you is this holds true and will always hold true. And this was kind of like a basic spiritual teaching I learned a way, way, way long time ago. And that's what you see in others, you also see in yourself. It's the whole concept of you spot it, you got it. Spotted, got it. If I see beauty in you, then I have a recognition of beauty in myself. If I see insecurity in you, I have a recognition of insecurity in myself. Is it point for point? Like, is it does it line up always and, and match? Not necessarily. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, yes. But it is, a, it is a really cool way to pay attention to how you speak. And how you speak about others and how you speak about yourself. I almost find that to be an easier place to begin because a lot of us, myself included, find it harder to speak kindly to ourselves than we do to other people. I'm really nice to other people. Like, I flood the people closest to me with words of affirmation. And I, it's genuine, it's from the heart. But we often give sometimes, not everyone, but most of us give what we really want to receive. And, you know, I received inconsistent words of affirmation growing up. Like, if I asked my dad, do I look pretty, he would make it into a game. He'd be like, um, mm," and he'd make you stand there and wait forever. And I would wait but my mom would lose her patience standing in the room and she'd be like, oh, come on, Jeff, just tell her, tell her she looks pretty. And then I was like, oh my God, you couldn't be patient. So now I'm not gonna get a genuine answer. So then he'd be like, you look pretty. And I was like, oh my God, he doesn't even mean that. And that was kind of a way that I I got wounded a little bit. Like, like daddy doesn't even think I'm pretty. I, I often didn't feel like men thought I was good looking, thought I was beautiful. And, and that starts with those first relationships. I remember as I got older, I started to rely heavily on hearing compliments from my brother because my dad was just not a vocal one. And my mom always kind of interjected herself and was like, tell her you love her. And I was like, Oh my God, could you just let him do it authentically? Because now it, none of it feels real doesn't feel like he loves me. It doesn't feel like he thinks I'm pretty. Like, I just want a moment where he's going to say it on his own. And so what happened with that is that created patterns in myself of like, A, I thought I had to beg men to give me compliments. (laughs) I had to demand it. Like, tell me I look pretty. Tell me I look pretty kind of thing. Or I'd go the opposite route and just like tolerate never hearing it, even though I was like dying to hear it like just need some words of affirmation somewhere. And, you know, and and that kind of shows you how like that dynamic within the family really creates that inner narrative, but also creates the behavior pattern of how you act when you leave that environment, when you're with other people. I started to get to the point where, like if a man did willingly offer me a compliment, I just melted, cause I had never really received them. Freely, and it was like, oh my God, you're being so. So when I hear people say to me, "Why do I get so attached when a man is just like kind to me?" and I go, "No, I get it. I get it because I've been there. Because you didn't have it, and when you don't have something, when you're like, consider this, right? When you're deprived of something, like I was deprived of tampons. <laughs> hang, hang tight. I'm gonna get to my point." When you're deprived of something, like I was deprived of tampons, I didn't realize how much I take tampons for granted until I didn't have it. And then I was dying to have it. And then I was like resenting what I was getting. I was like, ugh, I will try to make do with these maxi pads, but these are just like not cutting it and not what I like. I'm also like a thong girl sidebar. like not, I don't like wearing normal underwear. If I could walk around naked, I would 24-7. Now you have way too much TMI about me, but that's the God's honest truth. I love being naked. Like That's the level of confidence that I have worked up to. I love being naked. I walk around naked in front of anyone. I do not give a shit. So the, the tiniest underwear I can find is what I prefer that means I can't wear like even those thong maxi pads. Sorry, dudes listening. I'm assuming it's mostly females, but I know I have men in my audience. Those thong maxi pads just don't cut it for me either. So, you know, I went without them and I was like, when I saw them, I like drooled all over myself. It's like, oh my God. So now take that and apply it to like compliments from men or women, whatever. doesn't matter. I don't care what you're into. Okay. Like if a man was remotely kind to me, said something like just genuinely and freely without me having to pry it out of him or coax it out of him. I was like, Oh my God, you must love me. <laughs> cause, cause men, cause, cause daddy didn't compliment me. And, And he didn't really say he loved me. And I just assumed my dad doesn't love me. Like, that was me as a kid. I just assumed dad didn't love me because I didn't ever hear it unless it was forced out of him. And then when it was forced out of him and I would start crying, he'd go, You know, you love, you know, I love you. And I was like, Actually, I don't. No, I don't. Sorry, I don't know that. Like, am I supposed to just know that because you exist here? I don't know that. I have no clue that you love me you t- I hear the words coming out of your mouth. I do not believe them at all. So, so in my head, it was like, oh, well, if you're being nice to me and actually like speaking to me, you must love me. You must be in love with me. So it was literally like, I had such a warped sense of reality back then. Cause it was like any man who was remotely nice to me, who remotely spoke to me. I was just like, Oh, my God! Everybody's in love with me. yeah, now, that we could label a little narcissistic, egotistical, if you will, but truly, I was deeply insecure and deeply, deeply hurt. I also think it's really important to address the fact that like when you have childhood trauma to to there there are different levels of it, right, and it doesn't mean that your parents were bad or your parents didn't love you. My parents really love me. They love us a ton. They did a lot for us, but also their behaviors with themselves, their emotional maturity level, their ability to cope with conflict or stress, those skill sets were not built up. So were my parents really great parents? Yes, in many, in many ways, yes. Were they good examples of confident, mature, supportive adults? Not necessarily. Does, and, and, and this is kind of these are the nuances to, to these teachings that you don't necessarily get when you read an Instagram post or caption. And that's that both can be true. My parents can have, without knowledge, caused me some level of insecurity or trauma or abuse or harm, not because they intentionally did it, not because they were wanting to do it, not because they're malicious people, but because they didn't have a sense of understanding, they didn't have awareness, they didn't have coping tools. Both things can exist. Both things can coexist. And so you know, in, in learning about any of these topics, confidence, childhood trauma, boundary setting, whatever, you have to recognize that there is always that gray area. There's always going to be that gray area. It's not just one way or the other way. It's not, oh God, I have childhood trauma. That means I can't ever talk to my parents again. Or, oh, I have confidence issues. Thanks, mom. I, now I hate mom. No, I love my mom and I love my dad so much. But also, Like and and this is this is important in mental health teachings, the use of the word and I love my parents so much and they were not always the best examples of confident, mature, supportive adults. And that's okay. I'm learning, I'm growing and that's all right. I've forgiven them. I don't know if they forgive themselves sometimes, but that's really not my business. I have good relationships with them. I constantly work on my relationships with them, but you get my point. So back to the confidence stuff, right? Like that is where it all develops. Where to begin is, where is it most obvious for you? You know, there's so many ways to go about this. You can start trying to talk to yourself nicer. I would say that's probably way more difficult for most people than it is to try to shape how you're talking about other people first. Now, the reason I find that one to be the most easiest is because it's most obvious when it's outside of us. You can start to just slow down and hear how you start conversations when you're talking about other people and choose to reframe them. Instead of pinpointing a flaw or an imperfection in someone else, find a positive quality about them don't offer insults or criticism where it's unnecessary or just in like mundane conversation with other people why because because you don't want to you don't want to speak highly of yourself or them you don't want to speak about good things going on so you you have to see that's the the other part of this is like the environment i was in nothing could ever be good for too long and I think not only does your nervous system get adjusted to that, that's a fact, but the language you use, the way you think about things, that kind of acclimates to that as well. So then when you leave that environment and you go out and you have your other uh, relationships and the other environments you frequent, you'll find that, and I say this to clients privately when I work with them, you always have a threshold, right, for good. And I didn't have a very large threshold for good. I had a very large threshold for bad, but I did not have a really good threshold, high threshold for good. So it was like when good things were happening, I had to cinch it off. I was like, "Mm, too much, too much. When's the other shoe going to drop? Let me find it. If I can't find it, I'll sabotage it because I need to be comfortable. And my nervous system is comfortable when there's a roller coaster my nervous system is not comfortable when everything's just smooth and balanced and, and we're just like sailing the the seas and everything is, is feeling good. I get suspicious because that was the way I was raised. That was the way my nervous system has adapted to things. So that's another aspect of this, another layer of this to pay attention to is like, If you notice all the conversations you're having with the majority of your friends is that you have to talk about other people and you have to say negative things about them. Not because you're trying to be mean, but because that's just the way you shape a conversation. Because that used to be the way I shaped a conversation. I was like, the only reason I had to call up another friend was to shit talk somebody else. And not like the intent wasn't shit talk. It was just like, let me tell you all the bad things I noticed and let's talk about them. Well, that's comfortable for me because that's the environment I was raised in. Those, those were the examples I had. I didn't have an example of somebody speaking highly. I will say this. One of the first examples I had, um, was an aunt of mine and one, I have many Aunt Barbaras, one of my Aunt Barbaras, um, she, I didn't. I didn't see her a lot growing up but when she did come by and usually it was like we were at my grandma's house when she did come by she was just always this like ray of light and she was the first person in my life that I I looked at and I listened to her and I had such respect for her and she was the first person I never like in my head was like bullshit you're faking it because the way I was raised was like I listen to people have conversations about happy people and say they must be faking it. They must be lying. So I would look out at the world through this lens of like, oh my God, you're sharing your happiness with us. There must be something terribly wrong. Oh, you're posting. I think I said this on a recent episode or I was saying it to a client. I cannot for the life of me. Remember, I say things these days, but I'd look at a happy couple, post a photo online and I would think to myself, oh there's trouble there like that was how my brain worked because that was what it was conditioned into me and so my aunt barbara was the first person and but i only had like brief fleeting moments and experiences with her they were always positive and so i only ever had really great things to say about her because they were always positive but they were so brief and fleeting i wish looking back i had had more time with her, she's still alive, but she lives in another state and, and, you know, we don't see her very often. So, but had we, had I had more time with her and it consumed me more, that would have probably had more of an influence on me, right? And, and so she was the first person and then the, and I can't be certain, but the next profound example I have in my head, because these are the ones that stick out to me that I'm sure there are ones in the in-between, don't get me wrong, but But the second most profound example in my adulthood now, because that was childhood in my adulthood that I, that I felt like spoke highly of people is my sister-in-law, which you would be like, isn't that recent? No, she was, she's been with my brother for over a decade at this point. So she's been around, but in my adulthood, she was like the first person that I would listen to the way that she would talk about other people and, or she would listen to my brother and I talking about family and she wouldn't participate. And at first I would just think, Oh, she's just like trying to stay out of like our family stuff. But then I came to like get to know her and learn more about her. And I realized like, no, she just like, that's just not what she does. She doesn't invest her energy into conversations where she's like putting other people down. And that fascinated me because I was like, because now I'm an adult and I'm thinking about it. And and honestly, it's the first conversation that I'm having on all of this or actually saying all of this. So I'm kind of processing in real time as well. But it's interesting because those had profound impacts on me. And it did get me thinking, like, if I were to analyze, let's say, their lives and the success in their lives and the level of happiness they have in their lives it's pretty high and i would attribute you know there's many contributing factors there but i would attribute a large amount of that happiness and success to the way that they kind of view the world and other people and the way that they then engage with it so why don't we start to wrap all this up shall we another method that i personally used when i was just starting to work on my confidence and i've given this one to clients privately before suggested it if you will and always strongly encourage people to do what resonates most with them but here's what worked for me and this was actually recommended to me by a friend of mine a a very 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 close friend of mine And what she said to do was stand in front of a full length mirror, completely naked with your hands down at your sides and stare at yourself and try not to fidget and see if you can make it at least three to five minutes tops. No longer. You don't have to stand there longer than five, but see if you can make it at least minimum three minutes without fidgeting. That means like don't cross your arms across your chest. Don't like wiggle your hips around. Don't be moving your head. Just stand there and see if you can get comfortable staring at yourself in the eye. Buck, is it buck naked or butt naked? I think it could be both, right? Butt butt naked, obviously, but isn't buck naked? I think so, I think so. Anyway butt naked in front of the mirror and do it for a week do it for a week and see what happens take note mentally you don't have to write it down unless you want to take note of like how fidgety do you get do you like what happens to you and so what i did is i i would check in with her um, I have really, really great friends, I really do. And I, I don't think I acknowledge that enough when I talk about them, but I do. I have really incredible supportive friends. And um I would check in with her and I would tell her, you know, like, you know what I wanted to do a lot of the time was start stretching. Like I have a tendency when I'm standing and up for a long period of time to like stretch my arms and try to stretch my back and roll my neck and like do all of these things and that's what i was like itching to do but i kind of forced myself to stand there and get comfortable and then i stretched afterwards but yeah give it a try um so those are like three little ways that you can start working on your confidence but you know here's the thing right it's a ongoing journey if you will i really I hate the word journey these days, but I, I don't have a better word. It's an ongoing journey. So the goal shouldn't be, how can I be like at, like as confident as possible right now? It should be, how can I feel the best that I can in this moment? What would that feel like for me? Right. And that moment is going to differ when you're in front of different people, you're entering in different environments. Like I know when I was packing to come to Mexico, I was thinking every time I put things in my suitcase, I was like, well, what what version of Amy do I want to come out? Like, it's kind of an opportunity, like I'm in a new place. I don't really know anyone other than Phil. I'm never gonna see any of these people again when I walk down the street. And I chose my my clothing um from the mindset of I want to challenge myself to be a little bit more free, to be a little bit more authentic, to not stifle myself, because I can feel, and you guys can too. You can feel when you're stifling yourself. I can feel when I'm stifling myself, I can feel it on this podcast. I can feel it in the work that I post online. I can feel it in my day-to-day personal relationships. So I really wanted to challenge myself to let myself out a little bit more. And I think that's a really digestible way to go about it, right? Instead of this mountain that we like to like set a goal at the top of the mountain and try to climb it like be the best you you can be and then i'll like watch a reel of this girl in like a sexy little number like coming down the stairs and to the to like you know some sort of rap music playing on the reel and you're kind of like that's like inspiring but also like not necessarily digestible like to go from point a to point b like how do i go from The girl who maybe doesn't feel that great to like that, that doesn't feel like it's practical. But what does feel practical is like, what's the next logical step for me here? How can I stretch myself a little bit? How can I challenge myself just a little bit in this new environment or in this next interaction? And like, look at every single day and every conversation, every interaction as an opportunity that's what I do. Like anytime, even back home, anytime I was like, Oh, I get to see my best friend today. I was like, you know, what? I'm going to challenge myself to carry myself differently. I'm going to challenge myself to talk a little bit differently. I'm going to, so I think that's the other factor that you can take away here while I wrap up this episode for you is, is challenging yourself you know, like that, developing that relationship with yourself where you cheer you on, but you also challenge you is a really great way to build that confidence within you. So that is all I got for you. Uh, next time we speak, I'll be in another part of Mexico and we'll chat soon. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode or past episodes of Connect the Dots Bitch, please take a moment if you are streaming on Apple or Spotify to rate and review this podcast.